Hey, it's Sean. And it's Bree. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4, the Toronto Episode. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the Winter Garden and Elgin Theatre, St. Michael's Hospital, and Queen's Park, all located in our hometown of Toronto. You know, as we do every year, we always have a Toronto-themed show, and, um, you know, in this season, we are keeping with the times. Joneses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just kind of keeping it uh, in Toronto and uh, something that we're very familiar with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we got some really good topics for you that uh, are going to showcase Toronto and what Toronto has to offer. Yeah. So, yeah. So, how's your January going, Bree? Your lovely, cold, delicious January. Well, I'm definitely not a fan. Of the cold. <laughs> I really, really, really am annoyed that it's not summer tomorrow. Yeah. Or, or the next day or a week from now. So <laughs> I know, I know. But you know what? We're almost we're we're pretty much almost done January now. So we're getting into February and then March and then we're pretty much good after that mm-hmm. for the most part. So it's it's on the horizon, you know. Um a I winter feel like, I feel like this is the first time winter feels like it's going fast. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Oh, I'm totally down with that. But Oh, I'm we... happy about that too, but it feels it. it <laughs> yeah, feels it does. It too. Like it I does. can't believe it's almost February. It's almost... Well, I mean, considering, you know, we release our shows on the 25th of uh, the month, we really are coming up to that date and Christmas was a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy, yeah, eh? But you know, one one muscle. thing I'm uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But one thing I'm going to say is it's definitely winter um, because we've never really had this much snow as we have now. Mm. So it's it's like almost like when I was a kid, um, we had this this amount of snow. So it hasn't been it's been a while since I've seen this this uh, accumulation that we have. So yeah. um, it's kind of been a minute since we've been able to or since we've had to deal with it and drive in this kind of condition. So. Mm-hmm. So stay safe out there, um, oh, yeah. you know, in that snow that, uh, and all that snow that we have, but that hopefully some warmer temperatures snow. will come up and, uh, melt it down for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly and gradually. We don't want any floods. Yes. Well, we're, we're definitely known for that as well. So hopefully that won't be the case. <laughs> like you said, slowly and gradually. <laughs> So in any case, that's great. So let's get right into talking about our first topic, the Winter Garden in Elgin Theatre. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Ready? All right, let's go. So the Winter Garden in Elgin Theatre was built in 1913. It was the Canadian flagship of the Marcus Lowe Theatre chain. It was designed by Thomas Lamb as a double-decker theater complex. It had the Winter Garden built on top of the Elgin Theater, which originally was known as Lowe's Young Street Theater. The two theaters both had very different personalities. The Elgin was a formal 
theater containing gold leaf and rich fabrics and it contained plaster cherubs and opera boxes the winter garden was a botanical dream the walls were hand painted to look like a garden the old time guests um, that had performed there have been uh, george burns or gracie allen milton burrell the Winter Garden closed in 1928 and remained closed for more than half a century. The Elgin continued as a movie house, sliding into despair over the years. And in 1981, the Ontario Heritage Trust bought the building. Then the successful production of Cats ran nearly for two years at the Elgin, the most successful pre-sales event in Canada at the time. In 1984, a $29 million restoration began. The detailed work at the Elgin needed more than 300,000 thin sheets of aluminum leaf. The winter garden was cleaned using hundreds of pounds of raw bread dough to avoid damage to the original hand-painted artwork. They created 65,000 square feet of new space, including a lobby, a lounge area, and an eight-story backstage area with modern dressing rooms, two rehearsal halls. It reopened in 1989 and became once again the finest theatrical complex in Canada. During the restorations, one of the center's greatest treasures was discovered. The large collection of vaudeville scenery, hand-painted flats, drops from 1913. Several of the restored pieces are displayed at the theater, including the magnificent butterfly and scenery flats. The Elgin and Winter Theater Center was brought back with the assistance of government agencies, donations, volunteers who still continue to assist in the operations today. So, with that rich uh, theater and rich history, I would love to switch it over to Bree to find out some of the paranormal history of the Winter Garden and Elgin Theater. Bree? Alrighty. Thank you, Sean. Okay, so what I've learned that in the Elgin Theater, there's certain areas, I guess, that are affected by certain ghosts. And um, there's uh, like a trombone or trumpet sort of uh, instrument playing in the theater. And people can, the people who work there can hear it when they're walking around. And it's usually when, I guess, they're um, closing. Like, so when everybody's like out of the theater and there's just a few people left. Um, there's also someone called the Lavender Lady. She's near the Grand Staircase. That's where I guess a lot of the activity happens. Okay. Um, then there's this voice in the dark, apparently. I guess the closing manager one night was closing up and it was just her and one other person. And she, I think it was the security guard and he was at the door and she was just double checking and she heard a voice in the dark. And I guess it happened on more than one occasion. And that's how they got the name, the voice in the dark. Spooky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that though, like just being in the dark or just closing up and suddenly you hear something in your ear or yeah. behind you. I'd be like, I, I yeah, you know me. I'd probably jump out of my skin. <laughs> and then my like bones and muscles would go running away. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a Sean Shape home wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? <laughs> so I was on one of the websites and it did show that there's like some official, I guess, reported phenomenon. So I wanted to share that. Okay. And so it says here, so there's a story about a workman who worked in the theater. Uh, apparently he was there and once he actually watched as a group of theater seats in the Winter Gardens area fold down as if a, an audience had just sat down to watch a performance. And then moments after, return to normal in their position with nobody sitting in them. That You know, when we went to the Aurelia Opera House, I was hoping that that would happen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, again, I would probably jump out of my skin and, and run away. But, I mean, <laughs> I think that would be like a very creepy experience. Um, and then... The hand operator elevators, which supposedly require an operator to move, will suddenly start up by themselves and go to various floors for no apparent reason. Uh, and this is, uh, I guess, happened to the staff who have actually said that this has happened to them. Wow. And those elevators are like, you know, those old style where you have to like close the gate, and, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I think we saw one of those somewhere. Wasn't it at um, Castle Loma? Maybe. It might have been. Like a very small version. I don't remember. My bad. Where where can they find these stories that you found? Um, these are on torontoghosts.org. Cool. So, yeah, definitely if you want to check them out, that's where some of those uh, stories that we found there that you know some of the ghosts that are haunting the winter garden in Elgin theater mm -hmm. but definitely when if if and when you ever have a chance you know go and and see this toronto landmark it's just magnificent you'll definitely be happy that you did <laughs> yeah was there anything more for the ghost of the winter garden Elgin theater all right. Um, there was also one staff member admitted to um, being reported by a patron uh, about an apparition of a woman in the Edwardian clothing would appear in the lobby and remain long enough to be witnessed by a few people before actually disappearing. So um, they don't know who it is, um, but she still kind of lingers around. But she's safe, and I guess the reports have been that she just kind of appears. Okay, just kind of intermingles, you know. Mm -hmm. Pops in and pops out, you know. <laughs> There's also a female patron who believed to have been stabbed in the Winter Garden washroom that is now closed. Uh, she dragged herself into the elevator where she waited for it, but no one came. It, it runs by ushers. There she died. A lot of ushers, including myself, whoever reported this, have been taking, taken up to the fifth top floor where no one is around sometimes. There isn't even a show up there at that time. So, you know, that explains why the elevator just randomly goes to um, different floors because that woman who was stabbed, so she was dead in the elevator. So, yeah, it explains it. Solidifies that one for me. Anything more? No, that is all I have. 
All right, kitties, let's move it on to St. Michael's Hospital, downtown Toronto. It is a teaching hospital and medical center today. It was founded in 1892 by the Sisters of St. Joseph, who operated the Notre Dame de Angus, um, which was a boarding house for working women. Originally, it was an old Baptist church. The hospital was created in response to care for the poor and the population of the south end of Toronto. It opened with a 26-bed capacity and a staff of six doctors and four nurses. The next year, it expanded to include two large wards and an emergency department. In 1894, the hospital started taking medical students. It did begin a formal agreement with the Faculty of Medicine at the U of T in 1920, and it still exists today. In 1912, the bed capacity was up to 300, and they added a five-room operating suite. In the 1960s, it was increased to a bed capacity of 900 beds. From 1892 to 1974, St. Michael's School of Nursing graduated 81 classes, including 5,177 graduate, graduates, which was closed in 1974. The hospital then opened a school for medical records libraries, the first in Canada, also prepared for dietitians and x-ray lab technologists. In 2010, it was renamed just St. Michael's to reflect its movement in medical research. In 2017, it merged with St. Joseph's Healthcare and Providence Healthcare to form a new hospital network. It expanded even more in 2015 when they built the 17-story Peter Gilligan Patient Care Tower, and they also had a new main entrance and an emergency department nearly double in size. And I also know with this building, because of the rich history and its past, there are some definite paranormal stories that Bree is going to get in and talk to us about. So I'm going to pass it over to Bree to talk about St. Michael's Hospital's paranormal activity. Bree? Alrighty. So there is actually a well-known um, ghost that haunts the hospital, and her name is Vincenza, Sister Vincenza, or Sister Vinny. And um, she worked at the hospital for 28 years as a nursing supervisor of obstetrics, and she died in 1958. And then in, since 1965, visitors and staff have described encounters with Sister Vincenza, often including her rearranging medication, giving blankets to new mothers, and turning lights on and off. Uh, it turns out that Sister Vinny isn't alone in haunting the medical center, though. Uh, there's also uh, different ghosts that apparently have been seen there. Um, there's one. Uh, an IT employee was working late one Saturday evening. He was alone and heard paper rustling behind him. As he turned around, he felt something pass through him, and the wind was, like, knocked out of him. When he regained his breath and told his co-worker about the incident, she explained that earlier she was watering a plant when it began to move and shake viciously <laughs> wow wow imagine feeling something pass through you right that oh that would just freak me out wow 
That's crazy. I'm just trying to like, kind of like, you know, process that in a sense of just, wow. Yeah. 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 And then um, there's also a report uh, where described where someone was taking a break while working on the overnight shift. And then all of a sudden, all the lights cut out on the floor and the door to the room slammed shut. Yeah, I don't like that shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy. I know. And while they and while they were like in the room with it like everything locked um locked up and the lights out, the water turned on full blast in the sink in the room I guess they were in. Whether it was the bathroom sink or or the kitchen sink. It doesn't specify. <laughs> That's crazy. Mhm. Let's not say. Hmm. And then there apparently there's also a ghost that wanders through the filing room and uh, maybe a guy named Joe uh, who wanders around in the morgue and he died on the job. Hmm. Uh, apparently they can hear him laughing and the lights will go off and on. Wow. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so much activity there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks very much for that. That was some really cool stories for St. Michael's hospital. Now we're going to move into Queens park, uh, which is also downtown Toronto. So it was an urban park in downtown Toronto, which was opened in 1860 by Edward Prince of Wales. It was named in honor of Queen Victoria. It was also the site of the Ontario Legislative Building, which contains the Legislative Assembly of Ontario. When King's College, later renamed U of T, was established in 1827, it purchased 170 acres from two farming estates north of the town of York, present-day Toronto, including Queen's Park. The cornerstone of the college's earliest buildings was put down as a site of April 23rd of 1842. It was built on the present site of the east wing of the Ontario Legislative Building and was completed in 1843 and remained vacant until 1845. The building was situated on a landscape park surrounded by tree-lined avenues and was accessed by two gates to the north and to the south. While the university occupied the property, it was known as University Park. In 1853, the Parliament of the Province of Canada used the building and relocated the classes held there currently. The Parliament of the Province of Canada was based in Toronto from 1849 to 1853, then again from 1856 to 1858. Due to popularity with the local residents, they entered negotiations with the university to lease the land to create a public park with a 999-year lease for 49 acres of land of August of the 29th in 1858. One term of the lease was that the government had the right to build the legislative building if they wanted to. And in September 11th of 1860, it was officially dedicated as the first municipal park by Edward Prince of Wales and was named Queen's Park. In 1879, the province, provincial government wanted to construct a new legislator on the property. Ownership of the southern portion of the park were handed to the provincial government in 1886. 
The building was completed in 1892 and hosts its first session on April 14th of 1893. The new building split the park in two sections, and local residents continued to gather there for concerts, memorial service, military, and political gatherings. During the First World War, it was used as a gathering spot for soldiers at the Canadian Expeditionary Force. In 1984, Queen's Park hosted two tree-planting ceremonies for the Eastern White Pine after it was declared the province official tree that year. One tree ceremony on May 25, 1985 to commemorate Arbor Day. And another tree ceremony took place on September 29, 1984, at the same location with Queen Elizabeth II and Duke of Edinburgh, planting two trees. In the early 2000s, Canadian poet Dennis Lee and advocate Richard Griffin campaigned to put up a statue of poet A. Purdy on the grounds of Queen's Park. It was eventually built in 2008, and it made it the first statue at the park that commemorates someone who is not a political figure or a monarch. So I'm going to pass it over to Brie, as always, for the paranormal history of Queen's Park. Brie? All right. That was a very long-winded history. I apologize, (laughs) but now on to the good stuff. (laughs) All right. So apparently there are three apparitions that haunt this present complex. So there is someone that they claim is called the White Lady, and she wanders the halls, uh, appearing very sorrowful and sad. She has long white flowing robe on and long hair. Then there's somebody called the Maiden. She wears like a checkered dress with an apron. And she holds um, uh, over, I guess she holds something over her face to conceal her features. Uh, The apron. She holds the apron in her hands. And hides her face for some strange reason. Um, And the most gruesome one of them all, apparently, is called the Hanging Woman, who dangles from the hook in the long tunnel in the basement. Um, Also, here is a curious thing, probably recent, an apparition of a soldier in full regiment dress who appears angry as he descends the grand staircase of the main hall. That was the most uh, thing inputted, most recent. Really? Wow. Yeah. I think think that's really creepy about the hanging woman in the tunnel in the basement. Because, like, I mean, it's it's bad enough that basements are creepy enough to begin with, and now you add, like, a creepy woman on a hook? Mm. That'll just, that just <laughs> signs the deal for me. Why don't we just put a lock sure on this door and never go down there again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't need the keys, just throw them away. <laughs> um, they do say that the first World War hero, Charles Rutherford, still lingers in the uh, legislature at Queen's Park. Um. Some people have, uh, other people have mentioned something about a presence of a soldier being nearby. So I guess that wasn't the first time someone's claimed that. Yeah, it seems to be very active with regards to um, soldiers and and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would, it, it would be very interesting to see, you know, you were talking about the lady in the white dress. 
um, and then the lady with the checkered dress. It, it would be interesting to see what is their backstory, um, because I don't think it really. I, I mean, from what I saw about those stories, they don't really go into any type of elaboration. Mm. So you don't really know where to go with that but it'd be interesting to see the backstory and if there is a backstory or if anybody knows what it is yeah 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 well that's amazing well that's good thanks for that um lots of great information about toronto and as we said it is our hometown you know and also with that being said it does bring us to an end of another episode um can't believe it we're here already Mm -hmm. It feels like we just started to record. (laughs) But in any case, you know, um, always get in touch with us with regards to any paranormal activity that you experience in your home or at work or in your daily life. We'd love to hear about it and talk about it on the show and and discuss it in depth. So, uh, you know, if you want us to talk about it, we will. And so send it in to us and Bree's going to give us a heads up on how you can get in touch with us. Um, you know, uh, a lot of information on our Facebook. If you don't have a pen and paper right now to copy it down as Bree's saying it. So Bree, I'm going to pass it over to you and uh, you can let them know how they can get in touch with us. Alrighty. You can definitely reach us at paranormalfilescanada at gmail.com. On Facebook, you can find us at Paranormal Files Canada. On Twitter, you can find us at PFC Sean underscore Bree. And on Instagram at Canada Paranormal Files. Definitely. So get in touch with us and let us know uh, about your experiences or, you know, any, even if you read a good book on the paranormal or see a good movie that, you know, is mainstream or not mainstream, let us know about it so we can talk about it. Um, You know, we always find little trinkets here and there, but, you know, who better to get it from than our audience, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. So, Bree, anything more? I do not believe so. (laughs) All right. So we're going to sign out and we're going to say, you know, have a great month. We will definitely see you in February. Um, Take care of yourself. Stay safe. And don't forget to stay Stay spooky. spooky.